0: Hello, and welcome to Mikey Pod Podcast, episode 343 for May 27th, 2022. Today's guest is author, filmmaker, producer, and all around creative genius, Miasha. We'll be talking about her book, Turned Film Secret Society. The film is outstanding, and you'll hear <laughs> it's, yeah. Go, as soon as you listen, you'll you'll want to watch it when we get to the end of this, but I'm still introducing things. I'm your host, Michael Heron. I'm a composer, pianist, electronic musician, storyteller, and activist based in New York City. On this podcast, I have conversations with fellow creators who use their creativity to change the world. I've been sending this podcast to your ears for well over 16 years. If you like what you hear, subscribe using the colorful buttons in the sidebar and footer at MikeyPod.com, or just search MikeyPod in your favorite podcast directory, if you'd like to know more about me, stop on my website at com. hit me up on social media everywhere as at Michael heron or email me mikeypod at gmail.com. Hello. So welcome to the podcast. I don't have a lot of check-ins uh, right now. My creative work has been on a little bit of a hiatus, as you already know, I mentioned it before. Um, yeah, I'm really working on getting some mental health and physical health things in order. Everything's okay. Um... But there's stuff to get caught up on, and I'm and I'm doing that. So it, that's been, you know, my, my teaching work, and that has been on my schedule. So anyway, this is the time of the podcast where I usually check in with what's going on with me, and that's it. So <laughs> let's get into the interview. But first, I do want to thank my subscribers on Patreon for powering this podcast. These are people who subscribe for $5 or more a month and get special perks like tons of free downloads of my music and zines and bonus podcasts. There are over 60 of them that you'll have immediate access to when you subscribe, including this week's bonus episode, which will feature an extended conversation with today's guest, Miasha, where we'll talk about Miasha's work and um, her lifelong love of storytelling. So let's get on with the interview. Here is Miasha. Joining me now on the podcast is Miasha, who is a filmmaker, an author, a producer, and probably a lot of other things I'm about to learn about. Welcome to the show. I'm so grateful to have you here.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.
0: We have talked about Secret Society, which of course is your book. I haven't read the book, but I watched almost all of the movie. I... And was not at all what I expected and it's everything I wanted from a movie. <laughs> oh,
1: I love that. I love that description.
0: It, it was great. I watched the trailer for the film and I, had, I didn't know at all what to expect. And sometimes I'm a little bit clueless. So I'm wondering, did I miss something in the trailer or did you in- intentionally leave that out?
1: No, I intentionally left that out um, because I didn't want to ruin it for anybody. I wanted people to go into it, like you said, um, you know, thinking one thing and then getting hit with something totally different. And that was the that was the whole intention behind the trailer.
0: And that's like, as they say, the hits keep coming, because as I was watching the movie, I was like, what? Like there were so many. Twists yeah. and what was happening, you know, as we're having the interview, I'm like, how much should we spoil about the, um, you know, the film has been out for a while and the book's been out for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel about talking about what, like the, I hate calling it a plot twist because it's more of an yeah. emotional thing than that so, to me.
1: Um, it's totally up to you. I've been talking about it, um, vaguely. And and sometimes we go super in depth in different interviews. The film is actually coming up on its first year and the book, of course, has been out for over 15 years. So I'm sure a lot of people are already familiar with the subject matter and the plot twist. But um, it's totally up to you if you want to engage in that way. I'm- <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, let's talk about maybe we could speak in a general way that there's a there's a transgender um, plot, like the main <laughs> plot theme deals with transgender people. Um, and then the fact that the book came out 15 years ago is another layer of like you are people of course were writing about transgender issues 15 years ago but um not it it, it wasn't as much of the, of the conversation as it is now
1: not at all not at all especially in I'll say in the urban community where I'm from it was definitely a taboo topic it was never ever brought up in any of my Social circles and in, in any of my family or a friend group, it was just, you just, it was unheard of almost. Um, and so when I wrote the book, um, and I didn't even e- expect to write a book about trans um, women at all, it just so happened that I wrote the consequences of these women's actions on the very first page of the book. And I asked myself what were really Um, make a man take these measures on a woman. And then the twist came in my mind that if he found out, you know, as opposed to being, as opposed to having that information disclosed up front. And so I decided that that was the way I wanted to go with the book, but still I had never met a trans person. I had never spoken to a trans person. So I felt obligated to reach out to someone who lives that lifestyle for real and get as much information as possible to make the story authentic, but also to tell the story in a voice that would make people um, have a different understanding and a level of compassion for trans people in general. And it did that. The book did that. And one of the things my agent said when she got a hold of the book was that You know, it's very hard sometimes for writers to make, you know, people who are supposed to be the bad guys, so to speak, um, to make readers feel for them and and have empathy for them. And for, for the book to have done that, my agent explained that that was a great thing. And I think that's why the book has touched so many people in so many different ways. And now here we are 15 years later with the movie doing the same exact thing.
0: Mm. I think it just kind of speaks to my own prejudice and my own sort of protected world as a white person. When I saw the trailer, I, I think partly I didn't know what to expect. I'm a queer person, but I didn't, the last thing I expected was for there to be a, a queer theme in the film, which I think speaks to my own sort of shelteredness, but also you sort of addressed this too, that isn't a topic that comes up a lot in the urban community. Um, obviously it's important to bring it up but can you talk a little bit about about why and 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 what what led you to to write about this topic
1: um so i I think that in the urban community and I'm speaking from a black urban community mm-hmm. um you know it was looked it was it was frowned upon um and it wasn't really spoken that it was frowned upon it was kind of one of those things where it was like an unwritten, Rule or or, or a knowledge that you just kind of grew up knowing, but you just you don't know how you knew, you know, it Mm -hmm. you just felt like it was a negative thing, um, to to be in the community or part of the community, or to speak about the community. You kind of just brushed it under the rug, so to speak, and then of course. As you know, the time goes and people develop a better understanding and acceptance, and um, you know people realize you know that there's people in my family who are gay, um, and then you you love these people all the same. So I think as you start to get to know people who are of the community and you have a love for them, you have compassion for them, the same feelings you have for everybody else. And then you just realize, okay, it's, it's, it's okay. It's fine. It's nothing, it's nothing weird about it. It's nothing different, strange. It's just another human being, you know? And so now it's totally different. I mean, the conversations are different. People's attitudes are different. um, And I'm sure you can attest to this too, just as a society In general, we have come a long way in terms of being okay, like a okay with everything that has to do with the LGBTQ community. Um, Of course, we have more, you know, we still have ways to go. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. But um, we've come a long way since the book has um, first came out. But to answer your question about why I decided to take on this topic, it was really because it intrigued me. And I knew that if it gave me that type of feeling, I knew it could give other people that type of feeling. And I would like to say that it helped open that uh, Pandora's box that you know made it so taboo in my community. I feel like it opened a lot of people's eyes and made people feel comfortable about having the conversation and may have even been an assistance in bridging that gap over these years.
0: Mm. I think one of the things that you do with the film, and I'm sure with the book as well, is that you tell their stories. There's the backstory of the the women in the film, and you see, you know, what their childhood was like, and what sort of in their past led them to lead the life that they led. and And in a lot of ways, I feel like you kind of show that you know some of the choices they make aren't a, aren't the greatest, you know, but you can see how like the way our society treats transgender people, they're sort of forced into that corner.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that was, um, that was intentional because it's, it's a, it's a fact. um, Speaking to people who have, who have had to live that lifestyle, um, that's the first thing a lot of them will tell you is that it wasn't just something they wanted to do just for the fun of it. You know, they really literally were trying to survive in in the world where trans people were not um, accepted or allowed or, you know, able to really just function in a, a basic way. Um, they had to do what they had to do.
0: Mm. I'm also an artist. So I'm curious always about people's processes and especially this pro like, as like an independent artist, I'm watch. I know the book exists and this film, which is beautifully produced, like really like, I mean, I just call it, to say it looks professional, seems so corny. But I think, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like, a it's not a film that you watch and think like, oh, so nice. This person was able to make this film. It's like, oh, this is a film. It's like a produced film. Can you talk a little bit about that I mean it's a huge topic but like the process of you know just coming to the place of having this book and deciding to make it into a film and and you know what that process is like
1: yeah yeah um no I definitely get what you're saying and Um, As a filmmaker, and this was my first movie, so I was really like dead set on making sure it did look professional um, Uh because I've seen a bunch of independent films and I have nothing bad to say about them. But I just kept saying I don't want it to look like an independent film, so to speak. Um, But, you know, it was a long time coming. I've been wanting to have this book made into a movie since about 2000, maybe 12. Um, it was a play at first, my husband and I produced a stage play version of it in Philadelphia and in Atlanta. And then um, I started like reaching out to people in the film world um, saying, you know, I want to turn this book into a movie. Can you give me advice? Or can you point me in the right direction? And I would get a lot of people who would say, you know, the script was very ambitious. Um, You're gonna need millions of dollars to make this movie. And hearing those types of words, it discouraged me because as a young entrepreneur, um, you know, getting my hands on millions of dollars to make a movie and hope that it does well which is not in, it was just not in my um reality at that time. So I put it on the back burner. My husband and I started a business and we focused on that for the last seven, eight years. And um it was the end of 2019. I just happened to see an Instagram post by, now he's the director, Jamal Hill. And he said, I want to make four movies next year. And I just shot my shot. I commented, we should do one together. And he wrote me back and said, what do you have in mind? I sent him Secret Society, the book, and he reached out and said, I have to be a part of this.
0: <laughs> and so cool.
1: I was like, OK, um, you know, if I have Jamal Hill, who had did Brotherly Love, which was in theaters and it starred a lot of famous people and it was a nice budget and pro- professional. And so <laughs> I felt like I had the right ingredient to making the movie that I wanted to make. So um, I sent him the script. We talked and he never mentioned we were just talking about, you know, what we want to do, when we want to shoot it, how we want to shoot it. And he never mentioned the budget. And I was just waiting for him to say You're <laughs> billions of dollars. And he never said that. So then I just asked him, I said, do you think we can shoot this movie for X, Y and Z, which was what I felt I had to, to spend and he said, oh, of course, we can shoot it for any amount of money. I mean, it just depends on what our resources are. And that attitude and that energy was just the right thing that I needed. I said, OK, well, then it's, it's, it's a green light. And I went to my husband and I told him that I really wanted to do this. This felt like the right time. It felt like the right person to, to do it with. And he said, well, I support you. You're going to have to lead this ship. This is your thing. And I got your back and we'll do it. And we shot the movie in the middle of COVID, at the height of it, actually. And um, 15 days um, with a phenomenal cast and crew, everybody was uh, in love with the script. And I think that's where it starts because sometimes you can hire people to do something and they're just doing it because it's a it's a gig, right? Mm-hmm. If you have people who see the vision and who are in love with the project and want the best for the project, you'll have people wearing multiple hats. You'll have people just getting in there doing what they have to do to make sure that it works. And that's what I was blessed with. And that's why we were able to create what you, what you see. And and even though it's independent, it was just a love
0: project. Mm. There's a certain, you know, I'm just trying to imagine the scene of doing this in 15 days. Like you keep telling me things, I'm like, what in the middle of <laughs> COVID? And it was 15 days. Like, um, oh,
1: there's so many of those stories.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but there's like this feeling of the in the film. You know, I think it's a topic that's really important to me. But it's all like the the fact that it's bringing some light into the world in a way like shining like not just bringing something in division but i i don't i don't know how to say it in non super woo woo way but it's like a kind of it feels like a a, a kind of spiritual opening in a way like this is the best way i could think of it of showing like a story that really needs to be told in this day and age and i could see why a, the group of people would really want to be involved in making it happen, you know, to fit your vision and then which became their vision as well. So it's really, it's really beautiful to hear that kind of stuff.
1: Thank you. Yeah. It was, it was a good time. And it was, a um, like I said, I was just blessed to be around so many great people.
0: Yeah. There's something to be said. And this is something I struggle with as an artist. And I think it's why I get really amped up when someone else is seems good at it. Like you seem to be that, it seems like there was obstacle after obstacle, you know, like the people telling you, "Oh, it's going to be millions of dollars," and okay, it looks like we're going to do this, but oh, here's a pandemic <laughs> that you have to work your way right. through, and the fact that you you got through. It, is there is that how you've always been, or or did this this uh, project kind of give you an extra kick?
1: Um, no, I I like to think that, you know, this was all part of God's plan. And so since I was a little girl, you know, I've come from, um, adversity. Both of my parents were addicted to drugs when I was growing up. I had a lot of different emotional issues because of that, but I never really knew how to talk to my peers about it because they didn't, they weren't going through what I was going through. So I didn't feel like it was something that I could, you know, that they could relate to. So I started writing and I started writing poetry and I realized that that was my release. Um, And then as I got older, it was just like, I was always known as a solution driven person in a world in a society where it seemed like everybody else was problem driven, even, you know, growing up in, um, modest, you know, households or broken homes or where, you know, you're not, you're not dirt poor, but you're, you're definitely not rich, you know, mm-hmm. or not even considered middle-class, um, you know a lot of people it's a worry thing everything is a woe is me or it's it's just always an issue if it's not one thing it's another these are terms that we always heard growing up if when it rains it pours you know and so i've always saw you know the other side of that i've always had this imagination to see a better situation for myself and then as i you know navigated all of that and was able to graduate college and Um, you know, fall in love with my first true love and still together to this day and have two beautiful kids and do um, businesses and real estate and just be so successful in all of the things that we pursued. Um, it, It was all these things leading up to this moment. It was preparing me for this. So I was already putting out fires. I was already being solution driven, already learning how to um, overcome adversity and already looking for the opportunity instead of the problem. So that was just like God preparing me and building me up for this very moment. And it it paid off. (laughs)
0: That's I love those things because I often forget and I tend, I kind of waver back and forth between being solution oriented and problem oriented. And when I'm in the problem oriented space, it's really hard to like, to make that simple point that you're making of like, don't look at the problem now. Look at what right. the solution is, you know, and it's really tricky to get there. But it, well, you know, mental illness aside... It's pretty easy, uh, you know, when when we don't have that type of issue on the forefront to make just switch the perception. I I guess I'm just being extra careful not to be ableist in how I talk about that, you know, because I think a lot of people are do have like depression and issues that are that are really difficult
1: Real problems. Yeah. Yeah,
0: But like but making that choice to look for solutions makes a Mm -hmm. tremendous difference. Definitely what is next for you like what's going like, so,
1: um i'm excited because what's next is part 2 and when i uh, started this journey with one i never planned to do part 2 i definitely planned to do more movies um but i was just going to go go to the next book um And let, you know, the viewers use their own imagination for the end of Secret Society one. But the demand was just insane. Everybody was like, Oh my God, what's going to happen between Celeste and this and that? And I need to know you got to do a part two. You have to, you have to. So I just said, Okay, we're going to do it. Um, the book itself is a trilogy. So it's not like it was totally off the mark. Um, it's just, you know, the workload because. Part one, I feel like we set the bar pretty high, even mm-hmm. down to like the fashion and the movie and stuff like that. So I was like a little intimidated by trying to do a part two. Um, But I said, you know what, if this is what the people want, this is what the people will get. And I'm excited that we're in the post-production phase. Um, We have a tentative release date of July 15th for part two. And that's what's next. And of course, Secret Society, the book. We've re-released it, the anniversary edition. So now it has some inspiration in the back for people just to understand that this wasn't an overnight thing. Like I said, I've been trying to get this movie done for years um, and I want people to see that so they know not to give up, to keep to keep going, keep that vision alive in their head. Um, And then also there's some pictures, some exclusive pictures from when we were on set um, in the back of the book as well. So between the re-release of the novel and part two, those are the two big things for me right now.
0: Uh, I'm super looking forward to it. <laughs> it has been so great to talk to you. Thank you so much for joining me. And I encourage everyone to um, find the film and the book. The film is Secret Society and it's on Amazon Prime. Is it exclusively on Amazon Prime? Is it anywhere else that people should look right for now, it? Right now, it's
1: exclusively on Amazon Prime.
0: Uh, It's for anyone who's listening. It's very easy to find it right there on Amazon prime. I did it myself today. Um, So definitely check out the book and the film and where is the best place to find you on the internet?
1: On Instagram at Miasha official M I A S H A official. Also secret society movie on Instagram. And my website is Miasha.com.
0: I'll put all those links in the show notes for this podcast. If you're a patron of this podcast, you can go on to Patreon in a couple of days after this, this interview comes out and listen to some more with me and Miasha. We'll be talking a little bit more. And uh, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you so much. I had a ball.
0: And so we come to the end of another episode of Mikey Pod. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Miyasha, for being a part of this. And thank you, patrons, for uh, subscribing. And check probably tomorrow on Patreon, patreon.com slash michaelherron. You could hear the bonus interview with Miyasha. And if you haven't already, there's tons, probably close to 70 of those interviews up there. So lots and lots of bonus content for you. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon.